This is, this is the In the Black Podcast. Hey, Sean, I felt so stupid, man, because when I was like, hey, what's the agenda? What time we start? <laughs> I went back and looked at the email. All that shit was in there. I felt terrible. Is, it, is this like, what you do at work? This man, is what you do at work? I, I, I was like, I was like, I know these brothers are looking at me like he can't read. Like, he's special. I was like, bro. I, I feel the heat when he was like, by the way, I sent it this morning. I was like, oh, yeah, little, I was like, oh. a little and, bit and of heat you, in there. You, hold up. And close, you know why? Because this dude would do the same shit to Absolutely. me. He's like, hey, Absolutely. yo, <laughs> you, reading is fundamental. Like, go back up a yeah. couple of rungs, you know. Scroll up. Scroll too. up. And yeah, scroll up. Yeah. That's it. Scroll like, up. Man. Scroll up. I said this black man did his job, and I'm up here. I'm up here like, yo, man, send the link again. Embarrassing, yeah. embarrassing. Is, and on, and on Frederick Douglass's uh, black Absolutely. history. You gotta be doing, yeah. gotta be doing better. Absolutely. <laughs> it's like first, yes. we, uh, first we say Travis Kelsey again at the fade, and then I'm accusing G- this black man. You know what? We, we, we're gonna job, we're gonna man. jump we're gonna jump Stop. into all of that. Yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. What's up? What's up? What is up? Back once again, it is the Incredible in the Black Podcast. And in case you weren't aware, this is a podcast dedicated to cover the current events and social issues going on in your black world and covering it all from the perspective of three grown-ass men who know when you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. I am your host, Big O, Mr. In the Black himself, but I can never do this alone. Let me introduce the rest of my roundaway crew. Some of you guys like me, love them. V Bland, say what's up to the folks, bro. What's up, everybody? I'm from the suburbs. I ain't from around the way. Keep going. <laughs> how how dare you stain I'm, me with your hey, around I'm the way? I'm, I'm playing into the character. That play you into, said, play you into. Said, I know, I know. It's like that bougie guy on the show again. God damn it. <laughs> no, but I know, right? I know. And once again, we have former representative from the state of Massachusetts, my homeboy, Carlos Enriquez, man. Brother Carlos, amen, what's up, bro? Amen a lot of things but that's what we won't talk about the past we'll keep it moving you know what I like we're it. pushing I like forward it. my guy <laughs> pleasure to be here you know los has been dodging me like neo in the matrix bro oh here we go see this you know we're not backing you up on good communication before, <laughs> before we had diverged our paths had diverged temporarily but we're back okay 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 i dig it i dig it if you're checking this out on youtube make sure that you finesse that thumbs up button it helps the yep. algorithm makes this go a long way you can always hit that red subscribe so that you don't miss out on the next incredible episode and of course you can check us out across social media at in the black pdcst on facebook twitter and on instagram and if you really want to become part of the family you can always come on over to our patreon you will not regret it now we're going to jump right into the meat and potatoes of the show valentine's day is right around the corner if you're listening to this now this is february 8th valentine's day is next week wednesday yeah, next week Wednesday, okay. and yeah. <laughs> I see you. So already coming in here, starting, starting uh, that. He threw, he threw that alley. He threw that alley. I know he threw that. He threw the hoop. I threw the hoop, bro. It's all good. Yeah. So next week Wednesday. So we want to start off actually a more, I guess, in depth question, right? What does love look like? We're all. All of us here. Not we're not trying to separate anybody or you know exclude anyone, but we are all men of a certain age that are married to, involved with, and love black women. So I'm going to ask this question: What does love look like in our relationships as we've gotten older? Because I think that that's a deep question that we have to ask. Because a lot of folks now, the only thing you hear is about the toxicity of relationships. People don't want to be, or at least they publicly say that they don't want to be shacked up with anybody the only thing you ever hear is negative things especially about black love and black relationships so I, at least to give some semblance of that was nice yeah that sometimes being shacked up with the right person that looks just you know to shares your similarities is a good thing so i want to give you guys the floor what do you think bro so we who's go by seniority. Who's who's been? Who's been you are the elder. Longer? You are well. I think I, I think I've been shacked up longer than the three of you. But I'm gonna let the guests go first. Lowe's, you go ahead. I, uh, not not to throw your business out there, but you are not yep. married currently. Is that right? I currently correct. I am uh, engaged, betrothed, okay. whatever that that uh, proper phrase is. Betrothal. Betrothal. Right. I'm gonna let you roll. Go ahead, bro. You know, it's 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 a. I'm gonna say it's a wonderful thing, but it's a it's a shape shifting thing. It is, it, it looks different. You know, you grow up with an idea of what you think love should look like or what you want it to look like. And then you find yourself in it uh, and it's more of a, a, a evolving thing. So sometimes it can be 
being quiet and supportive. Sometimes it can be taking a lead role. Sometimes it's all emotional. Sometimes it's balancing logic. Um, but for me, it's it's having a partnership that um, I know is sturdy, where there is like minds. There there are um, there's understanding there. There's a grace that the rest of the world doesn't give you. And so that's really what I look for and, and try to build and protect uh, in my loving relationship. Hmm. I can dig that. What about you, Vern? Yeah, so it's a, it's a couple things I think for me. Firstly, um, congratulations, Carlos, on on the engagement. So that's number one, uh, and then number two, I think you know what I've seen so far in with my wife. We've been together fifteen years, married thirteen, and I think the evolution, the kind of evolution of what we've seen over the years has has grown. Right. So everybody, I'm sure, has read like the whole five love languages thing, and some people think it's BS. Um, but for my wife, it really is a matter of acts of service. Her job is the kind where she works like 80 hours a week. And so a lot of times uh, the way I show that I care about her uh, and the way our sort of love has, has evolved over time is I handle the things um, at the house and otherwise so that she can focus on her job when she wants to. So I'm not pushing her to focus on her job. I don't have to push her to do anything. She's ambitious on her own. But she is able to do a lot of those things because she knows the things that the house are taking care of. So there's no gender roles. So I think the thing that's evolved in our relationship is the egos on both sides have gone away. And I think that's been a major uh, thing to show our children, by the way. Right. Like my my kids, they see me, you know, picking them up. They see me ironing clothes. Uh, I actually iron clothes to relax. I know it's weird. and Y'all can clown me later, but I do it to relax. And so also they also mops to relax too. So I do mop to relax. Jesus there, there's a, there's a psychological reason for that. And I'll get into that later. But, but I think, I think Carlos is right. And I think that as you, as you continue to get to know your person, um, you figure out and you grow with them. And as you grow, uh, things get better. The, the one thing that is interesting is you said that the, there are a lot of people who say that they don't want to be shacked up with anybody. I tend to find that people who say that are also the first ones who jump into relationships. Those relationships just don't work out. Right. Because mm. because mm. if you are with somebody and there ain't no drama and there's no problems, I was gonna why say, wouldn't you that, do it? That's that's what I hear when I when I hear people say they don't want to do it. It's usually they don't want the accountability that comes with having exactly. a partner. Right. And that that's true, whether it's a business partner or work relationship. If you don't like accountability, cool. But just know that that's going to limit you no matter what kind of partnership you get into. But I, I hear it. I used to be that dude. Yeah. And, and we can take it a step okay. further. If if you're the kind of person who. Um, believes you can change people, right? It's doomed. It's doomed to fail, right? right. right. People have to want to. They have to want to change on their own, right? Like they gotta want to change because it's better for them, not because it's better for you. And I think a lot of people. I don't want to say I think it's a thing women do more than men. Uh, say it, that'll, that, say it. that'll that'll get me. Uh, <laughs> well, say it. Say it. If you I, feel it. Say it. So so let me let me put it this way. I <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. The 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 thoughts and words that are about to be uh, yeah. spoken. Represent like Vernon views. Blanton, do not reflect the end of like say something about so, the Swifties and the Barbs at the same time, and let them all come for you. My guy, so I look, know he's so trying to get us canceled. Go ahead, bro. Let's let's look at it like this, right? I think women have a tendency to try to change men, and I think men have a tendency to try to control women. They don't want to change women, they just kind of want to control them. And whatever control means, they, they go with that. But I think women <laughs> think they can they can fix us or they can make us do and make us be right. and all that. And I don't I don't really think that works out. You either want to do it or you don't. No, yeah, that's that's I think that's spot on. I think that's spot on. Me, man, I've known my wife since I met my wife in 01. We've been married since 07. So that's going to be 17 years we've been married this coming this November this year, right? Um my guy. Awesome. Quite literally, we're at a stage, my wife and I, that we've known each other longer than we haven't known each other. And that speaks volumes, right? because you get an opportunity to see someone grow. And I think part of the dilemma that I see, especially for folks that are not in a relationship that may be of a certain age, is that you hear that they are, they're not willing to be someone's mother or be someone's dad or to raise somebody and so on. But when you're in the process of an actual good relationship, that's going to happen. You're going to influence someone in that capacity. You're going to, for lack of a better description, if you're with someone as long as me and my wife has been with each other, you are essentially raising one another. You can't avoid that. Um, one of the things that I did not understand about marriage, about relationships that I kind of, I'll say that I better understand now in my older age is the fact that 
you are going to continue to change and that change does not stop whatsoever. The person I was in 01 to the person I was in 07 compared to the person I was in 2020 is not the same person that I am now. And you, you may not see the changes, but your partner sees the changes and vice versa. And you can't expect your partner to be the same person that they were right. when you first met them. And I think that does a disservice to them. Secondly, or most important, like I said, I think that when we start having this conversation, you hear a lot of people that don't want to do low set it initially, have accountability or two, put in the work necessary to build the foundation for a healthy, strong, open, transparent relationship. Right. You say that I don't want to be someone's mom. He's he's coming to me. He should already be a finished product when we're never none of us are a finished product. And the truth of the matter is, and I, I, would, I try not to be biblical, but I'm going to go there. The Bible talks about this, right? Like when you marry somebody, you are essentially taking them from their parents, from their structure, and you're going to replace these people in their life that are supposed to be rearing them, building them. And that continues, that work continues from the time you say I do to the time that you unfortunately have to put one of you guys away, right? And folks that come into that relate come into any relationship thinking that somebody should be a finished package does a whole disservice to the whole process altogether, at least in my estimation. That, that rings true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I can yeah. dig it. So, so I'm going to ask you guys, because Valentine's Day for me, and I'm going to lay this out first and foremost, because I want to <laughs> hear you guys, Valentine's Day fails. Right, my right. wife and I, my wife's birthday is actually tomorrow. She oh, is man. a February baby. Nice. So okay. when so I first I can, met like my wife, I told you got to do. No, 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 no. No, no. I made this very clear when we first started dating. You can accountability. share accountability. You Carlos. can share your you can share your day, or you can share everyone else's day. So I can present you with all of these things on your birthday that no one else that this is exclusive to, or you can continue to get these small trinkets or whatever you want to call it into February. She said, "Okay, you know, in, into Valentine's Day." Said, and she said, "You know what? I'm not. I want the whole day to myself." So I said, I'm not going to forget you on Valentine's Day, but I'm not right. going out and doing all the extra that right, folks right. because I already did the extra a couple of days ago. So let's figure this out. And she's been here. Like I said, 20 plus years we're here together, man. So she's been down for it. So Valentine's Day fails. is not my thing because I haven't had an opportunity to fail. So I'm going to let you guys explain your Valentine's Day fails, though. All right, so let me, hey, Carlos, let me take this one first. Yeah, please do. Yeah. All right, so first of all, if you haven't failed on Valentine's Day yet, you ain't shooting big enough. That, I'll say that to you, Sean. So <laughs> you need to, if you if you ain't failed, you ain't trying hard enough. But listen, okay, so in college, <laughs> I was dating a, dating a girl in college, and um, I wanted to try to impress her. Man, I, I had like, I had a car in college. My parents let me borrow it, basically. And I took this chick to uh, this restaurant, Famous, pretty, pretty classy restaurant in Houston. I had a like a blazer on and slacks and all that. And when the when the bill came, um, it was a heavy bill. I mean, I, I I made sure I had enough to cover it, right? But they like this place had like peacocks walking around in the background of the of the grounds of the restaurant. Like it was like it was it was a nice place, man. And when our listeners Bro, say that you're bougie, you you, you try to say that you're I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to add it to the mythos, bro. You're I'm trying to. In the suburbs, so hey man, listen, I'm trying to. I'm trying to sh like show her a good time. You know, we we get back, uh, drive back home or whatever. Man, the next day, I got a, like I got like a, a tuition thing or something, like some kind of bill that I had to pay. And I was like, yeah, I was like, whatever. I paid. Why overdraft in my account? I mean, overdraft seriously, man. And. It was so funny because I, I, at this age, now that I am now, I'm 41, I believe I could have taken her to like Olive Garden and she'd have been fine. I don't mean it like in a classy way. I'm just saying I didn't have to spend what I spent. I was equating showing somebody you care about them with spending money, right? Instead of there being thoughtful, instead of being there a little more thoughtful about the, the stuff. And so, you know, when you were asking like, hey, what are, you, what are your Valentine's Day fails? I'll never forget it. Cause I think that dinner was like two hundred and fifty dollars, three hundred, and this is back in like oh one, like two thousand. So it ain't now where you go to like a club and you spend two hundred just to get in or something crazy like that. This was back in the day. If you if you're a broke college student spending that kind of money, you're an idiot anyway. But I was like, you know, it's yeah, cool. Your priorities. I care about her. Yeah, I was like, I care, and I I never did it again. 
Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm going, I'm going to ask you. Around the way, like so, Applebee's uh, been off your list of places to take it. You, you, yeah, you know. I'm, I'm about to say, do, hold on, hold on, hold on, Verdict. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> I know the memo, the memo's already been released that you can yeah, go to yeah. Olive Garden and all that other stuff. Anyway, no, so. for sure, I saw the, I saw the tweets. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. What's the list now? It's Cheesecake Factory, Olive Garden, Applebee's. Can't go to none of those, right? Ain't that none. Yeah, one, 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 one of them was, was Ti's. Uh, you can have whatever you like on the charts. Then what was what was big out there? Man, I'm trying to think. In in like 2002, yeah, it, it might have been. Time. That actually yeah. might have been about that time. Yeah, big spending was getting popular around that. Man, yes, and that's all it was. Because I, yeah, it was, bro. It was so ignorant. It was so stupid, man. It was no like, bullshit. Man. And I think that's dope. one of the biggest things that we run into when we when you first start trying to court a young lady right and especially yeah. societally we we get that those mixed signals as men that you equate your affection your attention to someone with how much money you spend versus yep. just being someone generous because being generous doesn't just mean with your pocket you can be generous with your time with your heart with your with your attention with so many different things to show someone that you care about them and you don't realize that until you're much older and you start valuing or putting things in the proper valuable place you know what i mean yeah well, go, go ahead los what you think bro what's your uh, feel you know, I was going to say one of my the questions earlier about being a former. I used to be a former kind of uh, a dirtbag. So I wasn't really uh, <laughs> I wasn't really big on the Valentine's Day. Like, I, I didn't start courting to be in a, to be a monogamous relationship till about. Yo, cut uh, the tape. Mid-30s. No, no, hold on. Stop. You, you can't go no further than that. The fact that you actually yeah. said. I'm just saying, I, you know, I, I love about where we've been. Bro, we I, I love it. it. I love right. it. I love it. Go ahead, I was, I wasn't. I wasn't raised to, I wasn't thinking about the game like that when I was in my 20s and early 30s until I, until I, I wanted it. to slow it down That's and fair. I had to unlearn all these bad habits. So to me, you know, it was the regular, like, who who needed to be seen on on February fourteenth? There were usually at least one or two that you had to figure out a daytime and a nighttime date. <clears throat> who who in the stable was okay being slid to the fifteenth? Could you do a fifteenth, uh, you know, thing? I, that was that was more my experience when I was younger. So now, in relationships, it's not a huge focus on on Valentine's Day. Like we'll do a dinner, we'll do uh, you know something nice for each other, but we don't go out of our way to really celebrate. We try I try to build that into all the other days, so I don't have to put. So I don't have to put all the focus on that one day, you know what I mean? But yeah, they used I to be it. they used to go a different way completely. <laughs> it protected against the fails though. You know, you, you didn't fail as long as you scheduled it, you know, prioritized correctly. So I'm, I'm a the best, oh. the best two minutes in the history of the show. Man. <laughs> no bullshit, no bullshit. <laughs> that was fantastic. Oh, no, you, you gotta ask the question though. Have you ever fucked up? You slid oh, yeah. somebody to the yeah. wrong date. You didn't or, pick, you know. Or, you know, you spent, you spent too much time. You were supposed to be somewhere by a certain time on that. Because Valentine's Day is that short window, right? You can't, once mm -hmm. the midnight comes or once the, you know, the late night has come, it's like New Year's Eve. You already chose who you're going to be with. So sometimes, yeah. you know, sometimes you, you might have blown it one or two and. You know, yeah, Los was a goon. Los was a goon. Was saying, <laughs> yeah, but, but hey, but yo. But that's knowledge, though, right there. You once it like because you can't you can't celebrate Valentine's Day too early either. You can't be like eight a.m. Nah, man. It's like a certain spe specific time yeah. that if you don't celebrate with a person during that time, they don't right. care what you did before. Right. And so he's yeah. right. Listen, if you, I mean, if I used young, to be heavy in the game. You didn't even start talking to anybody new in January because you exactly. knew if if you had too many dates, you was on date four or five, man, and she's man. feeling you, and February 14th is coming up, now you gotta- My man throwing gems, he dropping some gems. dropping gems. Cause you might yeah. end up, you know, on that, uh, fresh out to Burbs on an expensive date that you really tips your, <laughs> tips your <laughs> monthly <laughs> budget <laughs> on, man. With the peacocks in the back. With the peacocks in the back, man. Lose is just busting. I see you, bro. Hey, look, it's a safe space, man. I take, I take the shots. But listen, listen. If if you're a young cat and you listen to what Carlos just said, man, please listen to what he's saying. That's real. Listen, yeah, that's real talk. That is real talk. But don't let Lose fool you, bro. Lose be transcending, jet setting now, man. Lose put so many of these pictures on the on fucking Facebook now of him, like. Off to this place, off to this place with some sparkly blue waters emotion. I'm like, okay, Los, oh, I see you. You're living that life, bro. Go ahead. Never, never thought I'd be in any of those places. Come, come, you know, straight out of Roxbury. I'm like, you know, a, a, a friend of mine I've known for about 30 years called me. He was like, you know, we he came back from London. And I think I forgot I was coming back from somewhere. He was like, did you ever think when we was kids that we would even go to these places? Like, they were just places That's on the map. 
Yeah. Facts. So it's so dope to have a partner that she likes Facts. to travel. Uh, she's into hiking, sightseeing, the historical side of things, as well as the beach and the water. So to be able to pick different spots and be blessed with, you know, being able to travel and, and see parts of the world that I never even expected has been, it's been a blessing. That's, that's another that's big thing about love. being in a relationship too, yeah, bro. That's you, you travel with your best friend, someone that knows yeah. you. They're going to yeah. laugh at your jokes, hopefully. You laugh yeah. as you enjoy their company. That's a benefit yeah. you can't get with dating multiple or, you know, I haven't figured out that whole poly thing that they talk about, nor will I get a chance to. So it's just, <laughs> I admit that boat, is, that, that ship is safe. see that window's closed, I'm done. You know I mean? The poly I figured out, the poly, with the Amor, that was, that's a little, that's a little heavy. That's, that's a little too much? Yeah, I dig it, I dig it, I dig it. Three wives, three wives? I like it, let's go. Well, I'm not even going to front to you, bro. Like, I won't say that it's something that I envisioned, but it was something that, sat in my mind as a young man growing up because both of my grandfathers on my paternal and my maternal have multiple wives and yeah like real real like real talk even matter of fact my my mom my mom is in her 60s her youngest sibling if you want to call him that her youngest sibling from one of the wives that he had i think is now just like maybe 17, 18. Wow. Yeah. So this has been a part of the culture for yeah, a long time, yeah. a part of my family structure for forever. So I don't know how you got to be a strong. We're going to get too much off topic yeah, and we'll jump they, to the next one. They didn't have cell phones and text messages either. So My guy, <laughs> yeah. They're living yeah. a different life but yet, because you got to, even still, you got, there's a level of strength that you have to have to be able to manage more than one partner Ooh, on a regular a quiet, basis. Strong resolve. Hell yeah. And hearing all the stories and trying to keep up with dates. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a, yeah. <laughs> anyway, all right, all right, all right, all right. We're going to jump into the next part. So Monique was recently her interview with uh, Shannon Sharp on Club Shay Shay just released today, and that bad boy already has damn near four million. This up. I wasn't going to do it. But damn it, this is this seat. Tell, say, you might want to have another look, example. This seat make you go truth tell it. No, tell the damn truth. Damn it, tell the truth because family is sacred. It's supposed to be, and we don't cross the line with family. Mm-hmm. And people begin to get comfortable to jump on the Monique bandwagon of Monique doing things wrong, and she doing this and she doing that. And there's a brother named D.L. Hughley. Yeah. And until he take accountability, I won't let it go. What? Because. What would you get ready to say? I was going to say, what did D.L. do? Um, I've had an opportunity to watch at least 40 plus minutes of it at this point. From what I've seen anyway, it hasn't been anything earth shaking, groundbreaking, whatever you want to call it. It's, it really feels as though she's having a conversation with Shay where she's reiterating things that she's already talked about, right? But I do want to jump into why it appears as though social media hasn't gravitated towards this conversation much the way that they gravitated or jumped up in arms about Cat Williams' conversation with Shay. So what do you guys think? I'll let uh, Fern go first. Yeah, so I appreciate that. There's so many sort of levels to this that that I think were interesting. Number one, um, the differentiation between when they released, right? So... Cat Williams' uh, podcast with Shannon, it released, I want to say, was it, it wasn't New Year's Day. It was like January 2nd. So nobody had anything to do. That was the first thing. So it had a wider audience because I think nobody had anything to do. The second part, though, if you listen to the Monique, uh, the Monique podcast, she wasn't doing all the histrionics and everything that Cat Williams was doing. So Perhaps. when I listened to it, it sounded like, I'm not saying that it is because I don't know, but it sounded like she was a bit more truthful in what she was saying, because there was no roller coaster of emotions. I mean, Cat Williams was standing up and he was like, boy, boy, and if you, we can get on the line and all that kind of shit. <laughs> and when Monique was talking, it really sounded like Monique was telling a story. And by the way, Monique only came after like three people. It was DL, Oprah, and Tyler. That was really it. I and mean, she slandered Oprah, like my God, right? Yeah, Whereas, yeah, uh, you know, kind of Cat Williams kind of took a, sh- uh, a shotgun and just sprayed everybody. He sprayed everybody. And, yeah, everybody could get and, and I think the biggest difference was, and you know, Carlos jump in. I think Cat Williams was telling jokes for an hour and a half. Right. And Monique wasn't joking. Monique right. was yeah. was deadly serious about she was she chronicling said. her issues. Oh, absolutely. Right. Well, no, see, so I want to be careful about calling them issues though, right? Because 
the one thing that I think that she made a good point of doing that Cat Williams didn't is Cat Williams said he was speaking the truth, but then he was following everything he said with a joke, right? And Monique was like, the truth is the truth, full stop. And, you know, Shannon was doing his country boy routine and that's cool, but she didn't let him off the hook. She flat out said, I gave you a, a copy of the recording of Tyler Perry, right? And he was like, yeah, you did. She said, what did it say? And Shannon's reply was, well, we know what it said. He said, no. she said, no, the audience doesn't know what it says. Tell the audience what it said. Cat mm -hmm. Williams kept saying, I have receipts and then didn't actually show any Produce any receipts. I, think I mean, if, unless you call the storytelling in and of itself the receipt. I mean, Monique sent Shannon a, a tape recording and it wasn't illegal to send it because I guess in California, it's not illegal to do a one-way recording. To do a recording, yeah. And I'm like, she actually sent him like an actual copy of the thing she's talking about and Shannon heard it and verify that it exists. That's insane to me. Like, that never happens. Yeah, I, you know, it's, I think you nailed a couple of them. Definitely the performance part. I, I thought that Cat uh, was definitely in performance mode. You know, when he's talking about Cedric sitting there like a walrus, like, I, that had me, that had me rolling. So he's giving you visuals. He's, you know, and he took his time with it. Like, it was a, a mini special, right? That killed me, yo. Because <laughs> if you're Cedric, you want to respond to what he's saying, but, you know, you, yeah. you're mad that he hit you with that shot. Oh, but you know, I wonder how much of it also is, is Monique has told this some of this story before as well, right? And the world made it seem like she was crazy when she told the story. And it, and it might be different, I'm, I'm projecting, but it might be different for black women. Um, you know, what's her name? I forget the actress that just told a similar story about the inequality and in pay and the struggle. Yeah, Taraji. Taraji, yeah, right? Taraji Hansen, so yeah. I think So I think for Monique, was, she was kind of more calm in the yeah. sense that I've been telling y'all, like y'all didn't want to listen to me before. I'm gonna tell y'all again calmly. You know, I, I still she I think she's aware that it's still gonna be treated differently. Um yeah. I think I think we're also programmed to we like the drama. Like she if she had been screaming and cussing and and it was all kind of MF bombs and you know the whole nine, I think it would have been picked up and we would have been glued in like whose mama is she mm. talking about? Yeah. But because she kept it calm, I think it you know, we're just programmed to like that drama. And I it's 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 a double edged sword. Like we should be able to enjoy ourselves, especially around talking about entertainment. But man, we we put the blinders on when it, it doesn't spike that it doesn't have that toxic spice that we like. Sometimes it's like, oh, that's that's just, so we supposed to just take this fact and do something about it now? Oh, yeah, I didn't want I didn't want yeah. no response. It goes yeah. back to I didn't want no accountability, accountability. to what you're telling me. This was gonna yeah, turn into right. equal gender pay for women. Like ah, oh, yes, yeah, anyway, I was trying to she hear that. To, that's she, not what I came. She was talking about she was talking about real stuff. Whereas right. you know, I think Cat Williams' primary main topic was gatekeeping in the industry. She talked about gatekeeping. She talked about equal pay. She talked about abuse verbally and physical. She talked about what it what it means to her to have a black king in her life and all that stuff. She was dropping real stuff. And the, and the bigger issue is she too was, is, that, yeah, is that Shannon, when Kat was on there, Shannon could laugh at what Kat was saying. Respectfully, I don't know that Shannon was equipped to discuss that type of nah, content with Monique. Nah, he I wasn't. think that's the other issue, right? It wasn't. I think he that wasn't. was a major issue with it. It didn't make for... <clears throat> Let me say this. It didn't come across as your typical Club Shay Shay interview, right? Because yeah. it didn't feel as as free or as open because she was giving some hard hitting. She was talking some hard hitting shit. And I don't think, like you said, I don't think that he knew how to handle that. Like, especially when she asked him, she said, I want you to tell the audience what yeah. he said in the recording. He couldn't even really bring himself to say it because he was like, okay, this puts me in a position yeah. where now I have to be held accountable. Yes. If I reiterate this, right, there I might be it. some other things that are that are involved. <laughs> Cat Williams interview, though, also, let's keep it 100% funky. Because he was joking about all, not joking, let me not say that. But because there was levity to some of the things that he was saying, right? And he didn't bring all the receipts that Monique brought. It also allowed us, the internet sleuths, the folks that are <laughs> tied deep into social media, yeah. to start doing the legwork. Like he, he all of a sudden, within less than 20 assignments. Right. right. Before, before 24 hours was up after that interview dropped, man, folks is going online and finding all the old Cat Williams skits and then comparing them to uh, Cedric the Entertainer and Steve Harvey and all these other things. And then going deep and start checking out Kevin Hart and all this other stuff. Like it was more. For lack of a better description, it was more interactive, right? Yeah. Versus yeah. Monique, you really have to sit there. If I didn't know any better, and I don't say this disparagingly, I say this as someone who loves the content. If I didn't know any better, I would have sworn that this was an NPR interview. Because so, that's how 
clean yeah, and direct I, it was. I, I think I think Shannon got to be worried worried about that. He has to be thoughtful about who he's bringing people on that have come from a vast different backgrounds and they're not all going to deliver a light, happy interview for him. Exactly. So if he's not strong enough to be able to bounce those back or have the politically correct response, then he's got to figure out who he books and who he didn't book. Like Cat could carry that, but you could tell he was trying to hold. He was trying to hold laughter in because he didn't want to. He didn't want to have to answer to to Cedric and them like, "Oh, you was laughing at me when he was clowning me." You know, like you have to be comfortable if you're dealing with comedians to take those take those hits. But you know, if you know comedians, you know there's always a serious side and a dark side to them as well. So you have to be able to take those truths. And and if he's gonna do those numbers, uh, he's gonna have to take the good and the bad. He's gonna take the Cat Williams interviews as well as hers when they when they kind of trail off or or don't meet people's drama expect you know expectation yeah yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna ask the question and i think we were posing this earlier when we were trying to do the rundown but i'm gonna ask the question now and los touched on it a little bit do you think that we have in the black collective we have just a stronger appetite for drama than we have for the truth because that was one of the things that monique kept reiterating too is like we're talking this real stuff and you guys are just glossing over it but when you know, these gatekeepers show up, you allow them to continue to perpetuate some of the foolishness that they perpetuate. So is it that we like the beef? Is it that we don't like accountability? Is it that we don't like the truth? What do you guys think? Go ahead, Ravern. So there's a couple things about that. Um, the first thing is, I think that Monique addressed some of that in the podcast where she said, uh, in our culture, um, we we have a problem with the messenger, and so we don't listen to the message. The Thanks. only the only thing I would refute to that, not to not to other the discussion, is that we ain't the only people that quote like drama, right? The reason why there's tabloid magazines and there's e entertainment and all those different kinds of shows is because everybody likes drama. Drama sells, right? That's right, not right, that is not right. something that is uh, inherent in black people, right? It's not it's not that. So I want to make sure the audience understands that no, none of the three of us are saying that specifically. What I do think though is that. Um, in some of these situations where some of our more popular Black people uh, are involved in some of these things, it is more, it is easier to watch, right? Uh, if it was a, if it was an up and coming star and they had a situation where they said they would, they weren't getting equal pay, nobody would care, right? But Monique is an Oscar winner, so she's supposed to be making a certain amount of money, and all the stuff about her being difficult, she explained it all away. Now, if you want to believe it or not, that's up to you. But she did explain it. And she said yeah. she has a, a tape where Tyler Perry admits that he started the rumor. You know how crazy mm. it is for a, for a grown man to start a rumor about a uh, woman? Like, can we discuss that part? Like, for just 30 a seconds? A grown man that, that role plays as a black woman. Yeah, that's from the church. To, to use the yeah, trope of yeah. angry black woman against an actual black woman. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't believe it. Um, yeah, yeah. So no, I don't, I don't think that we are. I don't think we prefer drama. I think that drama amongst our celebrities, just like drama among these Swift people or drama among the Jennifer Aniston people, I think that's just what sells in a in a group in a collective, if you will, right? Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's partly that mob mentality, and that's what I, when I say we, like drama, I, I do mean everybody. You know what I mean? I, and there are some of us human beings that like it more. They used to take their children to hangings and public executions and lynchings and things like that. That's a propensity to violence and training people to to do that. I also think that you know, people are looking to escape in a, in a world that's heavy for certain people, whether they're figuring out how to yep. pay the bills that, you know, drama, whether it's a battle in the Coliseum or their favorite football team or, or basketball team, it offers them an easy way out mentally for a few minutes. Maybe the world is being painful to somebody else and I don't have to think about my own pain. Mm. But I, I, where, where it bothers me the most is because of the position we stand in often, I feel like we have less free time to do that. You know, right. I feel like we moved from, from a civil rights movement where our, the generation, the boomers knew they had to deliver us, get the ball to a certain down line for as the collective. We now have been so comfortable as Generation X and, and then the millennials, they were kind of like, well, everything's cool right now. Let's just let's just chill and enjoy kind of the spoils of that labor without necessarily mm -hmm. moving the ball further down down the field. And that, so that mm -hmm. concerned me when we don't move on certain things. Um, and I know we'll probably talk about it later on. Like I, I still haven't been right with football since you know since Cap took a knee. Uh, I you do. Know? And I had to reprogram myself like, damn, can I boycott anything? Like, what do I boycott? What could I boycott? How long can I hold it? Just to try to get some muscle memory built up. So I think we'll always pay attention to certain certain things that make us feel a quick and fast emotion as opposed to 
something that's gonna send us on a path to do some serious reflection and some heavy lifting down the road. What do you think that heavy lifting looks like though? I think if things get worse for us as a collective uh, and for communities where you have to be more thoughtful, like right now urban farming is in, right? Some yeah. people take it seriously, some don't. If, if there was a, a food shortage that lasted for two or three weeks, you would, everybody all of a sudden would be, that Google search would be trending faster than Drake. All of a sudden you'd be worried about real, real vegetables in the garden and where you're going to yeah. get them from. You know, yeah. so I think sometimes you have to be forced into, uh, V talked about it earlier, change comes because it's beneficial to you. You made a decision. So until farming becomes important to you or something becomes important to you, you know, that change probably won't spur unless you really, unless you really bow it, just doing some deep reflection. Hmm. Yeah, and, and it's it's interesting too. Carlos is Carlos is bringing up a really interesting point. So Sean and I actually met because I used to run a podcast as well, right? And that podcast was sort of overlap with what uh, In the Black is about, black issues, fatherhood, and all that. But it was a lot of we started at the time, um, you know, that people were getting shot in Miami. Uh, you know, there were all these terrible things happening to us. And what I found was difficult was to Carlos's point. Man, it's hard to stay angry all the time. Like my, I had so much rage about what was going on, and it was exhausting. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I think Carlos is right because you do have to you, you do have to find a way to stay the course, right? Um, but you also have to give yourself a moment to breathe. Um, no pun intended on on some of the tragedies that have occurred, right? Obviously, but it was tough. And and you know we ended up we we sort of canceled the podcast because life got in the way. People had kids and things like that, but. I remember after a while we were putting a rundown together. I just be like, "Damn, man, somebody else got killed." I was like, "Man, I don't want to. I don't want to talk about this, this like anymore, right?" right? Yeah. And that's yeah. the hard part. And that's why what Carlos is saying matters, I think, because you have to find a way to make sure that you are staying involved in these things that are going on. You don't necessarily have to take on a burden, and I didn't know that at the time. But you got to find a way to at least stay grounded in what's happening, or you you do lose touch, right? Um, and I think that's important. I, we'll 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 move on to the next thing after this. But I honestly think that when we, when you involve yourself the way we involve ourselves, whether it's through a podcast or if it's being as blessed as Carlos was and actually representing a community, like you, there's no way that you can escape taking on that burden. You take on the burden of the mom that's down the street that has two kids and she's working how many jobs to support them. You take on the burden of knowing that your community is once again going through the pain of watching another young black man unarmed be killed by the police. Like just to know it, you strap on that burden. It's how you ultimately relinquish that burden, whether you do it forcefully by yourself or do you have a collective or a community that helps you to bear that weight? And I think yeah. that that's where we have some of the, the discrepancies. I don't know if everyone's willing to bear the same weight. You know what I mean? But that's all. just me, bro. No, I agree. All right, man. The Super Bowl is this Sunday. The Kansas City Chiefs are facing off against the San Francisco 49ers. And I've never seen quite an event be as gentrified as it has within the past. <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll we'll get into that. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about what do you the Super Bowl halftime show. Usher is going to be there. Before I let you guys jump in, I will say that my wife and I, our marriage survived Usher's residency in Las Vegas. For our anniversary, we went to go see Usher. And I've never seen my wife fanboy as hard as this <laughs> ever. But the got, fact that we were able to the back, my, no, my guy, nah, listen, listen, to... listen, listen. I'm not trying to, not trying to throw it out there, but I'm gonna throw it out there. We were transparent here on the show. My wife said, I said, okay, well, you know what, what we'll do when we're going for our anniversary, both of us get an event that we can enjoy together, but for ourselves. And my event was the chiefs versus the Raiders. So I went there for that game. That was an incredible game. Raiders lost, but that's neither here nor there. My wife's thing was the Usher residency. We were literally like four or five seats away from the stage. That's how close we were. Now, mind you, usually when we go to an event, I sit by the aisle to make sure that she's okay as she's passing by to do whatever she wants to do. Usher started making his rounds, getting off the stage and start going through the crowd. And she all of a sudden wanted to switch seats with me. <laughs> sure she did. <laughs> and I'm looking at her like, she got deboed. She deboed him. I, I, she did, bro. And I looked at her, I was like, excuse me? 
I said, all right, let me let me fall back. This is this is your man. This is your man. So I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let it ride. But like I said, we survived Usher's residency. But I know that there were there were a couple of relationships I know that didn't survive that night. Yeah. But I'm just gonna let, I'm gonna let that run. But he's gonna be doing the halftime show. What do you guys think about the halftime show? Go ahead, Los. Well, thinking about, I'm glad you brought up with the, the gentrification because I was reading the other day and, and I, I remember it happening. I don't, I didn't know at the time, but I remember the halftime show when when I switched and watched in Living Color because the Living Color was hosting their their halftime special. And you just remember, dated yourself, you know that. I mean, listen, if these grays ain't talking loud enough for me. <laughs> then, uh, <laughs> um, but you know that I think that was the year that made them decide like we can't have people changing the channel on us. We have to bring in something that keeps the same demographic on our channel, right? And so that birthed the the Super Bowl halftime show. So I'm glad that it's it's again it's the Roman Coliseum. You get some entertainment. I, I do believe the football, I wish we could watch more of the sport and less of the commercials. And I'm not talking about the Super Bowl alone, but just in general. Um, but, you know, it's, it's this big thing. Jay-Z was supposed to be tied back into it. There was supposed to be equity. Mm -hmm. It seemed like the equity shares are going to wealthy entertainers that may look like us already. Uh, I, I'm telling you, I haven't really sat and watched. I probably watched five games in their entirety since Cap took a knee. It's really mm -hmm. the shield. When when they told us a lot of I'm trying to do this with as many companies as they can. When they tell me that you can't take a knee for for black people, unarmed black people taking getting killed, uh, but quickly side with uh, a country that's forcing another country out of their area, like in Palestine, that don't sit right with me. And so I dig it. If, if I don't have power over anything else, what I do have is is the remote control and whether I buy any official licensed gear or not. And those are the two. That's those fair. are my two pressure points. So those are the two I apply, and I, I really don't rock with it. But I, I might tune in. I mean, it's Ursha, baby. You know, he got a couple hits. I, I'm human. You know, I, my boy Carson ain't great, just like Jay-Z's and, and Will Smith. My boy Carson ain't great, but I'm just trying to get better at him. So that's how I'm approaching the Super Bowl this Sunday. I dig it. I dig it. What about you, uh, V? No, Carlos is right on that. I think um, the In Living Color thing was the year before Michael Jackson did his uh, Super Bowl performance, I think. And so – um, you know, in terms of gentrification, listen, man, that one year, was it two years ago? They gave you Snoop and Dr. Dre and Fat 50 Cent hanging upside down. And they had, I think they had, they had M, they had M, I think they had, was Mary J. Blige there? Yeah, she was there. Yeah, Mary was there too. So, you know what they said? They said, we made it black enough. And, and then that was it. So Usher, get the money, man. Um, I, I don't know that he's ever been like a, a civil rights icon or anything like that. So to me, yeah, um, yeah. in that regard, he's sort of doing what he always has done. Um, but I do agree that I think the season after the Kaepernick stuff happened, I want to say the season or two, I, I did boycott. Um, it was difficult too, man. Because there's just nothing to do on Sunday. What do you realize how much of a day you gave yes, up for, right? Yeah. Yeah. Nine yeah, hours. Yeah. Nine hours. Yeah. Cause I got red zone too. So it was like all day, one o'clock to Jesus seven. It's just all day long. Right. So, um, but I agree. It is difficult to square some of the treatment that we have. I've heard people talking about, well, there's not enough black coaches. There's not enough this. There's not enough that man either watch the games or don't. That's, that's where, again, Carlos, it's interesting. Listen to you talk. Cause it sounds like at least you're saying, listen, I'm just going to do my best not to do it. Right. Um, and you might slip up, but I'm going to do my best uh, not to do it. And I'm on the other side where I'm like, well, I know I'm watching, uh, and I'll try to separate the morals uh, as best I can. It's difficult. Mm -hmm. I haven't eaten that. I haven't eaten that Subway in 15 years, right? Hmm. Since all that, when all that stuff happened. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, I, yeah. I, we pick and choose. I think where probably, we sort of want to do that. A wise health decision too. Well, then there's that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. Is. The, the, there's also that too. Right. <laughs> but I think we got. We'd be remiss if we didn't make sure that we were clear with the reason why the Super Bowl halftime show has now all of a sudden become as black as it has. Because let's not forget, after that damn wardrobe malfunction, the NFL was like, nah, we, yeah. you, you black I mean, people tend to I take mean, things gave, over the top. They gave you Bruno Mars. They gave you Bruno Mars a yeah. couple of years ago. And, you know. I'm they had saying. Beyonce. They had Bruno. They had some black people me, there. But, you know, <laughs> don't forget, hold up, hold up. Don't forget, there was a long stretch of non-black yeah. people, and they were seeing that the numbers for the halftime show were dwindling, and that well, was listen, really killing I think the, they the, the advertising now, dollars. Too. You, you get a black national anthem now. I mean, I mean, they'll always pick off, give us just enough exactly. to keep you coming back, you know, here and there. So until, like I said, until things get worse, so something agreed more egregious happens, I guess we won't, you know, 
Yeah. I mean, I, I I dig it, but at the same time as you're watching, it's like we're the the initial question then when we, when we were doing a rundown was where's Cap? Like where's that whole movement? And to be fair, that DEI is going away completely all all across the board in America now. A lot of places, a lot of jurisdictions, a lot of uh, Fortune 500 okay. companies are removing these DEI programs, and then all of a sudden, here you have Travis Kelsey showing up with a fade, and folks are like, okay, we're going to give Travis Kelsey. <laughs> credit for where, for rocking the fade and i'm like come on bro like let's like what's going on and you see this 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 juxtaposition where you're like okay you've got this blackness you've got the nfl which is majority black and then you've got the nfl trying to capitalize on two white people travis kelsey specifically and then taylor swift like this whole taylor swift movement 300 and some odd million dollars that the nfl has been able to make because the swifties have been paying attention and i'm trying to like balance my football desires for lack of a better description along with my general general penchant not to be disgusted by foolishness if you get what i'm saying so i'm watching the swifties act a fool and i'm watching the new york times come out and talk about hey i'm going to get the travis kelsey and i'm like it's just been throwing my head for a loop but go ahead go ahead i see you black history month too and yeah, at the beginning so of Black History Month, there's there's two there's two specific issues for me with that. The the thing that you're talking about is an intentional fucking failure of journalism, right? That's different. If you have any person of color in your journalism room, your writer's room, or whatever, you can go say, "Hey, is that haircut something normal? Is that something that's been going on for a long time?" People can get in fades since eighty, since nineteen eighty, right? If not before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so if you don't, if you write a social media article about that, you're just not trying. That's intentional, right? That that isn't like not knowing about Palestine and Israel is a whole other thing. That's a that's a complex issue. Not knowing about fades is something you just fail to go look up. I, it I really mean, is. It depends how deep in the suburbs, bro. It's the New York Times. It's the New York Times. Yeah, but I'm saying you you might have been you might have been in between like. The city, you you might have been just right on the other side of the tracks in a good neighborhood. There are people deeper, like you move into certain neighborhoods in in, in Pennsylvania and deep into Pennsylvania, and, and where only time they see the the brothers is on Sunday when they're running up and down the field. They don't see a fade. They never yeah. heard the term. Like yeah, and, yeah. So yeah, the New yeah. York the the New York Times when they come out with that, and I'm not defending them. I absolutely okay. Agree. Okay, right. I'm not making sure. Them. Okay, but I'm just letting you know when. <laughs> When they're saying that, that signal's not for us. Yeah, we knew about the fade. Even those that are adjacent to us knew we had fade. Kelsey knew, like, oh, y'all going to do this to me on February 1st? Yeah, yeah, got, yeah, yeah. He didn't have to say any more than that. He knew where he got the cut. He from. knew that exactly. That was his nod. That's, that's for the rest of them that don't ever see us. For them, they've been introduced to the fade. So, you know? and, and like you said, to his credit, he didn't say, oh, yeah, my barber did this. But, like, then they said Taylor Swift invented swag surfing. I'm like, guys. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, you just got to go look up some videos. It's, the, yeah, the song has yeah, been out yeah, a long yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> so this, yeah. to me, that's a, that's the problem with a lot of this. It's like, damn, man, like, Listen, I understand. You're dealing, you with, a, you're dealing with a people that still teach that Christopher Columbus discovered America when the man never set foot on the soil. You're set dealing with people that still teach seventh, you know, yeah. seven-year-olds and eight-year-olds that. They don't care. The facts ain't important. Well, and, and and that's the that's the scary part though, right? That's what's scary. Yeah. Now, the yeah. other part, Sean, you were saying about the NFL capitalizing on Taylor Swift. I mean, they exploit everything, right? That's so I'm not even that's true. That's, that's not true. even shocking. Um money, pull, money is money, bro. Well, if you can pull in, if you can pull in another 10 million viewers that are all female, by the way, why wouldn't you get them? I just wish I just wish she was yeah. a, a a fan of the game and not just a, you know what I'm saying? Like when you when you're watching like Snoop at a Lakers game, you know he's a fan of the game, right? You know season Jack is at the game, you know he's a fan of the game. It's not like they're gonna learn, uh, they're gonna start learning football plays because they're watching for Taylor Swift. I, I'd rather see Taylor Swift bring some value to the WNBA where where they need some viewers, where they need some women dig watching it. a champion instead of just I dig it. You know the the only hard part I have about this is that there's a massive double standard in some of it, right? Like so they they actually ran the numbers on how often Taylor Swift is shown on TV, and it's still less than like Jason Kelsey was shown post post playoffs. So once he got kicked out and they lost, and mm-hmm. he was pulling his shirt up and jumping over tables and getting drunk and everything. He was on camera more than her, but it's a bunch of men out here that are just like, I don't want to see her on the screen. It's like, fellas, but, come let's on, man. You can't have many players, guys. You, you you cannot. But you're talking about one game. No, man. no, no. They calculated the total time she's been on the on the on, on the game in all in all like, of the televised like, games like, that she's like been in? in the playoffs. Like in the playoffs. Been? 
Oh, like, the they did it in the playoffs. Okay, still, and but was, during the whole entire season, come on, bro. And, and let's and let's keep it 100 funky. There's a reason why they're capitalized. Besides her popularity, right? No, I understand she's that. A, she's a a youthful, pretty young, white, blonde-haired woman. Because let's not forget. I, oh my I'm bad. I'm just Go saying ahead. what others think. I'm not because you know. Yeah, yeah. For like sure. itis has never been my thing, but <laughs> at the same time, we know that for a long time, what's what's her? I was about to say Gabrielle Union. Um, what's the Simone Biles has yeah. been attending this old boys every single home game. They have never once shown her on the sidelines. But he's not good. Brother. But he's not good. The team was good. He's not good. No, they weren't. The team was good. The Packers were good. Yeah, but the Packers, no, the Packers no, 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 no. The Packers squeaked into the playoffs. They're not good. And Kelsey's the second best. He's the first best. He's the he's the best tight end of all time. He's about to pass Jerry Rice's record. You said he's playoffs he's the record. Best yeah, tight end we, of all time. He has you know, all the stats. We're not we're not gonna we're not gonna have that debate because we do not have enough time for that. It's oh. it's stats. Let, 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 let's go ahead and give our picks and then we'll wrap. We're not we're not gonna do it. Let's go ahead and give our picks. So, Los, who do you think's got the game this weekend, bro? I, I, I would find it hard to bet against Mahomes, what he's what he's done in a short period of time, that the skill level. I mean, I'm glad Brady got out when he got out because this this kid was ready to take it. Now, yeah, he's coming. I, I don't. I think if the 49ers run the ball, then they. It, besides, I, I I watch a lot of ESPN. This ain't from watching the games. Just so y'all know where I'm getting my. Uh, but I think if, if the 49ers right run the ball, it would be it would be tough for them to beat. But I just think. Man, Mahomes just pulls that the rabbit out of the hat so often. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like to see I like to see excellence. So if he's in the beginning of an excellent journey, I'd like to see that continue. And that's so that's what I'm a fan of. That pulls me in his story of that he could go for it. This was what would be three and five years, and he, yeah. he would have more if Brady didn't jerk one from him. And you know what I mean? Yeah, so uh, yeah. I think he's I think he's the guy on Sunday. Yeah, no doubt. So go ahead, B. More Taylor Swift, more Kelsey, more <laughs> more machine, more shield. <laughs> So I say, I say more machine Chiefs, exactly. Chiefs by seven, and I think that I think that I don't want to live in a world where Brock Purdy gets uh, a Super Bowl this early. Listen, you said you hit them right on the head because you know what's coming. You know what's he gonna get a Disney movie? Um, they gonna be calling them. It's, all it's gonna be the things. new Rudy. It's gonna Absolutely. be Rudy. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Not even joking. They Not even get joking. a dance. They get a dance. Yeah, I'm just. I'm just saying. Man, I, I. I also think that the Chiefs got it locked in too, and I. I am also one that does not want to see the 49ers win. Not because I don't want to see Debo get a ring, or Ayuk get a ring, or McCaffrey get a ring. But if Brock Purdy wins a Super Bowl, Brock Purdy for me, and I. I know I'm being hyperbolic when I say, it, but Brock Purdy for me is no. It's not much different than Trent Dilfer. Like he's got all the weapons around him and he's got a great defense. I, like I said, I'm being hyperbolic, but yeah, yeah, yeah. at the same time, I'm not <laughs> trying to give. I'm not trying to give this dude like he's he's not as right. good. <laughs> I know what like it is. <laughs> hold, hold <laughs> Whatever, man. Before I get my ass to Trump. My, anyway, my. Trent Dilfer. I know him more for, for yeah. Oh my bad, Brad. Okay, Brad Johnson from Tampa Bay. How about nah, is that better? That's still tough, man. That's tough. But I, anyway. I get your point. I get your point. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. All right, right about now is the time we'd like to give you little tidbits of news or words of wisdom that you can take with yourself into the week. Los, what's up, bro? Oh, man, my words of wisdom. You know, it's interesting. When you asked that, uh, I was going to try to think of something slick on the fly, but I got to think of something that I can actually apply to myself because, uh, you know, a lot of times we present one way to the rest of the world, and it's kind of a mask based on how we want the world to see us. Um, but I think it's more important how we see ourselves. So uh, I found myself in the process of trying to get out of my own head and thinking less and doing more in terms of um, not being um, not being paralyzed by analysis and thinking about, oh, I got seven different roads I could take in front of me. Which one am I going to take? Uh, I've actually had to, to stop myself recently and just put myself on a road. And to do that, I had to kind of confront my fears of failure, uh, my fears of not knowing what's what's next. Um, and I found these things trying to make me uh, take control and, and micromanage everything in my life. So I started putting down the extra and getting back to the basic things that actually make a, a difference in my life. My, my diet, uh, my mental health, uh, my physical fitness, which then helps my mental health, which then hopefully, you know, fuels my diet and vice versa. So just getting myself back into a healthy cycle. Um, so, to, you know, to boil it down, it's kind of like I caught myself slipping, I caught myself falling again. And it's time to get back up because, you know, we talked about it a couple of times in the show, change is constant. And so as I change, I, ha I have to remember that no matter what the change has brought, sometimes good, sometimes bad, 
I've always been able to get back up and keep pushing. So that's that's yes, my sir. advice for the week is to keep pushing from whatever position you're in, whether you need to st stand up, get up, start running, run harder, push harder, is to, is to get up and keep pushing. No doubt. Go ahead, Vic. Go. Yes, I'm going to read this real quick. And Sean, thank you for giving me uh, a chance to do it. Uh, it's supposed to be hard. You're supposed to have moments of doubt. You're supposed to have days you don't want to do it. You're supposed to make sacrifices. You're supposed to challenge yourself and push your limits. That's the price that has to be paid to separate yourself from the pack. Stop being average and to do anything worth doing. Stop trying to avoid the work. Learn to fall in love with the challenge, the sacrifices, and the discomfort, and use that to your advantage. And so kind of along the lines of what um, Carlos is saying, man, guys, some things in life are just going to be difficult. And the ability to sort of confront that adversity, I promise it'll help us if we learn to sort of evolve and sort of change over time as we've been talking about the whole show and, and sort of break things down into little building blocks and see if we can overcome those. So I hope whatever challenges y'all are going through, whether you're religious or not, I hope that you're able to kind of take it in a positive way, take it one step, one minute at a time, instead of trying to look six months down the road in some cases, do what you can to get through the moment because life is hard enough. And I hope you make it through on the other side. No doubt. What's up for me this week, man, is uh, what representation really looks like. We are faced a lot of times with representation or the, the aspect or the tenets of what representation looks like. Sometimes we get people that look like us, that may behave like us in certain instances, but they're really just tokens and so on. And we get confused or there is sometimes a cloud surrounding that, right? But I want to give you guys an instance of what representation really looks like. I have a friend of mine who is a uh, uh, doctor's assistant and another woman who's an RA. And they were telling me a story about a young lady that came into the hospital and she was asking for pain meds. She said she had been in pain, her back had been killing her, and you know she'd just been hurting all over for the past several days and finally decided to come into the uh, uh, into urgent care, into the, to the hospital, into the ER. And she was, she was approached by one of the doctors. Now, all of us here are married to, in love with, involved with, black women. So we know what these symbols are. So she's sitting down. She's already talked to the nurse. She's talked to the doctor and asked for pain medication. And the doctor comes to her and says, starts questioning her. Hey, do you really need these pain medications? What do you want us to do? So on and so forth. She's like, okay, I'll, I'll be back. And she disappears. Now, mind you, this young lady's sitting in a damn ER and she's patting her head. She's patting her head. So the lady comes back to her again. It's like, hey, you know, just want to ask you about these medications and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, she leaves her and comes back again. And as she's sitting there, you know, this young lady's patting her head, patting her head. This RA sees a doctor ultimately have a conversation with another doctor and says, hey, I don't know if we should be giving this woman any medication. She might be a frequent flyer. Frequent flyer is the term that they use for folks that come in and just come in there to get medication, pay medications to, you know, fulfill a drug habit. And the woman was like, so yeah, yeah, you know, I thought it was strange. She's sitting there. She keeps patting her head and fidgeting or whatever. And the RA was there and said, she's patting her head. She said, yeah, the RA is a black woman. She said, she's patting her head because her, she just got her hair done and her head is itching. Right. That's why she's patting her head. Not because she's a fucking drug addict. This, these two women were about to send her ass to the loony bin. Toss her off and back into the street because they saw her patting her head and didn't understand that that is what people do within, within our community when their hair is done and their head is that you don't want to mess up your hairdo. So just think if they didn't have that type of representation, what it means right. not to have a black person in that position that could have clarified that for you. Or for the two doctors, they don't have any black people in their inner circle that could have immediately told them, hey, y'all trying to fuck some shit up. So when you guys think about representation, like that, that in and of itself is a broader picture of what real representation looks like, us coming in to save and to help us. V, I know you got to get out of here, man, but I want you to tell these good folks where they can find you if they would like to find you, man. Yeah, man. Hit me up on LinkedIn, honestly. Um, all I do on all I do on Instagram. You see, that's that's where Facebook. bougie people that's where bougie people could I just be I just be cracking jokes on Facebook, man. It ain't it ain't really nothing to even talk about. <laughs> so uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to network with people. Yeah, I'm trying to network with people and you know, hopefully um if, like I said, if you're if you're dealing with some stuff. Hit me up. I try to talk you through it as best I can, um, and and that's that's what I do. No doubt. Los, 
thank you for coming on, man. Like I said, you've been dodging me like Neo from the Matrix. I'm glad you're finally able to be settled and sit down and have this conversation. Tell these good folks where they can find you if they want to find you, man. Any projects you got going on? Well, I try to keep it light. I try to control a couple different circles. So I'm on, I do uh, some political talks on sparkfmonline.com, uh, which is a platform based out of Boston. Uh, local, local stuff, but uh, good civic education. Uh, on social media, I'm on Facebook, but I'm, I'm usually strictly clowning, but that's for everybody where I invite everybody in. <laughs> and then Instagram is my smaller, a little bit closer circle uh, that I don't invite everybody into. So I started to create these levels that you can get to. Exactly. If, if your vibe is right or if, you, if I know you well. Yeah, yeah. Gatekeeping. Um, I dig it. But, you know, I do have people reach out to me, especially, you know, mental health is one of the big things that I advocate for. So if there are, I always like to share the message, if there are men who are curious about mental health, about therapy, about how it goes, how it can go, how it should go, and you just want to have a one-off conversation about it and about how it could help or what that journey looks like, um, please send me that in a message in any form. And when I find it, I run it down on Instagram or Facebook. I will respond because I take it that seriously. Um, I think a lot's going on, especially for us black men, in spaces like this where we can talk, where we can yeah, find, like you said, real representation of people that know what we've been through. Um, whether you're from the hood, whether you're from the suburbs, it doesn't matter. A lot of that, we still have a shared culture and a lot of the same things when we step out of our houses. So I'm happy Absolutely. to be an advocate there. So thank you for having me on again, man. I appreciate it. No doubt. Thank you, man. And I'm Big O, Mr. In the Black himself. You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at MR underscore In the Black. And I want to thank you guys for joining us for another incredible episode of the In the Black podcast. You could have been anywhere else in the world, but you chose to kick it with us and we appreciate it. Make sure you follow us across social media at In the Black PDCST on Facebook, Twitter, and on Instagram. And as I said before, if you really want to become part of the family, you can always come over to the Patreon. You will not regret it. But as always, until next time, informed, intelligent, In the Black. Peace.